Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you are here today. You know, God's word is going to build you up to do what you're called to do and to become and to be the person that God wants you to be. Praise God. It brings great joy in my heart that you're here. Now, let's take a look at two verses today that will build our faith for God's best for our finances. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings. And I would like for us to look at second Samuel chapter six. And I want you to listen carefully. I'm going to read just a couple of verses. And within these verses, there is something prophetic for you. I really want you to take a hold of it because it's something that the Holy Spirit gave me that's for you. Praise God. Please listen carefully. Second Samuel chapter six, verse 10. So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. Well, he had a, uh, maybe we could call it a rough encounter with the ark because David did not follow the the manual. He did not follow the, the print, the instructions, and thus something very drastic happened. So he's a little bit afraid of the power of God. So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. Please say that out loud right, right now with me. Say three months. Now I have been saying over the last few weeks that the Lord is going to do something special, something of a great move forward in your life. The release of blessing and promotion and empowerment, divine enablement. I have been saying over the last weeks that God's going to do it. And there's going to be this three month window ahead of you where many powerful things are going to happen. And so the Lord has spoken to me from this scripture that this is exactly what he is going to do. And that's, that's all he needs. It's uh, not, not 30 years, but three months. He can bless you in such a way that you become the talk of the town. And that's actually what happened to Obed-Edom. Let's look at it again. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. What does the ark represent? Well, it represents, we should say, not just the presence of the Lord, but it would be more accurate to say the manifested presence of the Lord. So the Lord is now in his house and everything begins to dramatically change. And David, of course, hears about it. And we must also ask ourselves a question. How does faith come? It comes by hearing the word or hearing the good report of the word. And trust me, of course, when we as believers hear it, we're, we are able to value it and recognize, yes, that is something that we want in on. Whenever God's moving, there is uh, the blessing. But I'll tell you what, there's others out there that don't know the Lord, but when they see God's presence in your life and see things happening to you that you know that's a divine, that they know that's God's power. There's no way they could be doing these things 
Uh, they don't have the, uh, the, the ability really to do it. Uh, uh, so they're going to recognize that God is with you, and they're going to want to come up. Praise God. That's certainly what happened to David. Now, when it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because, not because he's smart. Oh, I'm not saying he's not smart, but this, this is something going way beyond intellectual ability. This is something go, going beyond working 80 or 100 hours a week, but because of the ark of God. Well, David's like, okay, well, then we need to get it over here. It actually belongs over here with us. <laughs> so David, of course, is a very, very wise man. Praise God. So that is what took place. And I believe, my friends, that over these three months that you're going to see, you're going to see God move in your life in undeniable ways where it even begins to generate uh, reports that begin to go out. Praise God. Now, along with this scripture, and remember, this is the three month scripture. God's going to do something. I believe beginning at Pentecost that over the next three months, beginning at Pentecost, you're going to see it's like the ark has been placed within your very home. Praise God. Now, please go with me to Jeremiah chapter 30. Here's the second scripture that the Lord has spoken to be uh, through to share with you. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 18. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring back the captivity of Jacob's tents and have mercy on his dwelling places. The city shall be built upon its own mound, and the palace shall remain according to its own plan. So there's building that's going on, and building requires financial strength. It requires blessing. Then out of them shall proceed thanksgiving. We need to be very, very thankful, praising the Lord continually. And the voice of those who make merry, I will multiply them. Now, right where you're at right now, if you're facing various trials, perhaps discouraging circumstances, I want you to fight it with faith, with everything that you've got. I'm here today to say, stand your ground. This is not a time of subtraction or of you being diminished. This is actually, I proclaim prophetically, this is the time of your multiplication. This is the time of your going forth. Praise God. This is the time of the ark coming into your camp, and it's time for you to be blessed. Praise the Lord. I will multiply them and they shall not diminish. Please receive that. God is now going to multiply you. You're not going down, or you're not going to be diminished. You're actually going forward. Praise the Lord. Amen. I will also glorify them, and they shall not be small. My friends, for those of you that would be businessmen, businesswomen, how do you think that your business could remain hidden under a rock and not, and not have, a, have a breakout cycle, a breakout year, a breakout moment when the ark comes into your house, comes into your business? How can you remain small, my friends, when God's power is being released? The scripture says, they shall not be small. 
shatter and throw away any little plans that are plans that you've made just to hold out and survive. No, my friends, this is a time of multiplication. This is not a time of being small. Praise the Lord. And verse 20, their children also shall be as before. As before what? Well, in context, as before, they went away from the Lord, and then, of course, uh, became the devil's punching bag, as sometimes I use that phraseology. Uh, before they went away from uh, the Lord, they served the Lord, and they knew the blessing and the sweetness and the goodness of God. But perhaps they were lured by the devil and thought the grass was greener on the other side and found out that on the other side, there's addiction, there's bondage, there's enslavement, there's misery and constant depression and confusion. Of course, all things that Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 14 and onward say, come to those who are disobedient to their covenant with God. But my friends, the scripture says their children also shall become as before, joyful, faithful, in love with God, dedicated to God. Expect your children to come back to the Lord and they'll never leave him ever again. Even the Manassas are coming back. Those that you might have thought they're too far gone. No, the Lord will bring them back. Praise God whole and, and healed and uh, with the testimony in their mouths to turn many to the Lord. And I would also say on top of all of these things, God is not through yet with America. Praise God. God is going to continue to work through this nation to send the gospel around the world. This nation does have a very special assignment from the Lord in this area and it, the, this nation and the people of God within this country, we will continue to do our part to stay faithful to that calling and assignment until it is fully completed. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, my friends, before we uh, jump into today's message, let us now honor the Lord from having viewed these scriptures and bring the holy tithe and also any offerings that you would like to sow. Let's bring them now into the storehouse of the Lord. And as you do have faith in your heart that the ark is coming into your house and that the next three months are going to be unlike anything you have ever experienced in your life, even to the point that it's going to, uh, the reports of it will be heard and seen from others that are talking about what God is doing in your life. And they knew it wasn't because Obed-Edom is in there, you know, uh, uh, hatching a plan because uh, he got some special software. And now he understands stocks better. No, no, this is because of the ark. This is because of God and God's blessing upon your life. Praise God. Now, for those of you that prefer to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654. Now, for many of you, you like to go online and bring your tithes and offerings in. You can simply do that. It's very easy. Visit stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage. It has a red heart. It says give. You can click that. You can bring the tithes right into uh, that online portal. They come right into the ministry, our general fund ministry account. If you would like to sow a special offering, we do have some special projects. That's an orange banner on the homepage. It says projects. And you could click on that. Take your pick. Whatever the Holy Spirit would lead you to do, you can sow into 
and uh, it would be greatly appreciated in any one of those categories as we are moving, by God's grace, all three of them forward. Praise God. Let me pray for you. Father, as your people love you, they love your word, they love your commandments, and they love your prophetic scriptures. Father, I pray that over the next three months, beginning at Pentecost, that all heaven be opened over their life, that the ark come into their camp, and there would be such a dramatic change that even any unsaved children will come back to you. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We're in a season of miracles and open heaven, and we give you all the praise because we know it's because of you, and we won't touch an inch or a millimeter of the credit, but we give you all the glory because truly it's all because of your power. Now we thank you, Father. We take our positions, our position of working the covenant, of exercising uh, biblical principles of tithing and offering. We thank you that we have the privilege of working in you, uh, excuse me, with you in this great expansion of your kingdom. We thank you, Father, that churches are being turned to kingdom churches. Ministries such as this one are expanding beyond ministry scope into kingdom scope. And we thank you, Father, that your kingdom is global and that your kingdom is eternal. And we thank you, Father, that it is true that the knowledge of you, O God, the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And of course, Father, we know that the waters are covering, are covering the sea pretty well. It's pretty wet and pretty deep. So, Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to work with you in this great eternal venture. Thank you. Thank you. Now we praise you. We thank you, O oh God, that we are speaking to multitudes by your grace. Bless your people. This is their moment. Let them make, let them make ready for the arrival of the ark. Thank you, Father. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And amen. Glory to God. Before we have today's special sermon, let me say that Pastor Kelly has been hard at work praying and also working, endeavoring to get right this next trip to Israel. And wow, she pulled together an itinerary that is uh, very difficult to pull together. Every specialized hotel that we've requested, we got and some of these hotels are very, very hard to get because those that take tours to Israel, you quickly learn which are the good ones and uh, which are the ones you would really like to be in and which are the ones that were maybe enjoyable, but yeah, maybe a one and done. Let me tell you the ones that we got on this tour that Pastor Kelly really worked to get with our tour director are just absolutely fantastic. The tour dates are of the tour that we're leading to Israel are May 7 through the 17th, 2023. Okay. And you can reserve your spot on the tour for only a $300 deposit that secures your spot. And think you've got almost a year to prepare. You can have your passport ready. 
You can have uh, your your payment. You can just pay, pay it down if you want to. Pay it off if you're able, whatever you'd like to do, so that you're ready to go. And the good thing now with going to Israel is that if you have the COVID shot, good. If you don't have the COVID shot, you can still go in as long as you, you know, you're not coughing and sneezing and have COVID. But if you uh, want to go, we can go and we are going. We've had to cancel two tours that we put a lot of work into to pull together and had people sign up. But uh, Israel would just, uh, they would shut everything down. And then, it, then all the hotels were in limbo, but everything now is back to rolling full speed ahead. It's time for uh, all of us to get back over to Israel. And this is going to be a tremendous tour um, because Pastor Kelly really worked hard with the, with the owner, the head person of the tour company that we've worked with so many times before. And by the way, this tour company is the one that for most ministers, this is the go-to tour company. This is the one that has been used so often, uh, whether it's by Perry Stone or Benny Hinn or many other excellent ministries. Uh, this one is the, considered in many ways to be pre the preeminent tour company. Why? Everything's done with excellence. So all of the meals, all of the hotels, everything is fantastic. And for those of you that have been to Israel, you know that May is probably is probably the best time out of the entire year to go. Absolutely phenomenal weather. And remember, it's right there on the Mediterranean. It's going to be beautiful. And yes, we will be going all over Israel uh, from the coast, of course, to Jerusalem, to the north, to the south, and all in between. 11 days of glory. I sure hope you can come because I, uh, my wife and I, we want to spend time with you and our partners. We want to get to know you uh, also in person and an extensive trip like this allows us to do just that. And of course, I'll be teaching at selected locations along the tour as well. I hope to hear from you. We'll be having all of this information posted very soon uh, on the website and uh, sign up link will be available ASAP. More good info to come. Okay. Now today I want to talk about the reality of you as a child of destiny. You're not an accident. You're not here by a mistake. You know, on a, on a similar scene, of course, of much less uh, importance, but we all have our own lives. You understand how, how your world is very important to you. Well, in our world, we, uh, we had a time where my wife wanted to get another dog. Our, our previous dog, he had passed on, gone on to heaven. And my wife, uh, you know, Kelly, she's grown up with dogs all of her life. She's actually never had a time in her life where she didn't own a dog. And so uh, we didn't have a dog or anything. And so she decided she would go get a, a puppy. And I got a call from her one day because one, one Saturday morning I woke up, she was gone. She'd taken off. <laughs> Uh, to go to go to a kennel to look at a dog, it was and it was a specialized breed, and she actually called me and I uh, fr from the kennel, and it was quite a ways off too. She'd been driving quite a ways to get there. It was up in the mountains, and uh, she said, Stephen, she said the puppy uh, I have found like the puppies that I want. I want one of these puppies, and there's two of them, and uh, one's real calm and the other is like um you know kind of like uh more, more like active uh, i wouldn't say hyper but you know active 
I'd, and so I said, well, we had a real calm one before. I said, why don't you get the one that's kind of bouncy and all happy, smiley? She said, okay. She said, I'll get that one. Well, she got that one. And, uh, you know, we fell in love with the dog, but the dog required us to develop a lot of patience and the dog had a lot of quirks. Now, later we realized that these things with this dog, these peculiar characteristics actually was because the dog was so smart and hands down, this dog was the smartest dog we had ever had. And so, but this dog also had peculiarities. And so we had to work with that. But what I'm saying is that uh, initially we thought we made a mistake. We thought, oh, we got the wrong dog. Probably should have got the one that was all calm and mellow and nice. But you know what? Later we realized, no, it wasn't a mistake. God was in this because the Holy Spirit used a lot of examples with this dog to teach me certain things. By the way, that's God's whole purpose for animals is to teach you love and patience, <laughs> uh, which is really good because you cannot possess the promises of God. Well, I, of course you need faith, but faith doesn't work without love. And so you're going to also need patience. Paul talked about that in Hebrews, how through faith and patience, you inherit the promises of God. So this dog really was God's choice for us. So, you know, we thought, well, maybe, maybe it was a mistake. Maybe Kelly should have got the really calm, mild mannered one. No, she got the really, you know, bouncy, happy one, but it turned out to be a great blessing because of, of what we learned and even something very, very unusual, uh, an application that God showed me that taught me some tremendous things about about faith and, and things along this line. So what I'm trying to say today is that as, as, as humans, we as humans only are made in the image of God. It's not that, uh, it's not just that humans are the apex, you know, like in the animal kingdom, you know, you, you have a, uh, a rank, you can go higher and higher. If you get over, you know, you have like eagles, they're way up here and you have a lion, he's way up here and you have apex predators or whatever the case might be. But it's not like humans are like an animal because we're not in that category. We're not even in that class because we, and we only are made in the image of God. Animals are not. Okay. Now what I'm saying today is that God wants you to understand that you are a child of destiny. But in order for you to make the impact that God wants you to make, you're, you're going to have to know your particular destiny. And so this is something I want you to grasp. Your purpose is assigned to you by God and God alone, not by your parents. And that is so important and bears so much weight that I, I want to say that again. Your purpose is assigned solely to you by God and not to you by your parents. Now your parents in their love and in their care for you may try to influence you to go in a certain career direction. However, that influence could, although it's well intended, could be taking you in a complete 180 opposite direction of where God wants you to go. That would be a selfish type of love. And, and sometimes 
uh, particularly in certain cultures, that can get real strong. As a matter of fact, during the Lord's Day, while he was on the earth 2,000 years ago, in that part of Israel, there was something that scholars call familiism, and that is the worship of the family system, where you have a father, and such honor is bestowed towards the father that in some areas it can get over into uh, even a, a, a place of worship. And that's wrong, of course. And so you can understand why Jesus would make these uh, per, uh, particularly on purpose exaggerated statements. He who comes to me must hate his father and mother. Okay. He's saying that I'm so different and, and obedience to me is so different because we're not talking about mom and pop. You know, you love your mom and dad. You have to be willing to give God everything. So he was actually breaking and crushing really I, uh, in many ways, family structures that were centered around worship and heavy handed pressure for children to uh, follow after their pop or whatever the, or, you know, whatever the case might be. So we have to follow God's plan. He's the one that sets the agenda even before we're, we are born. And one of the classic verses that would reveal this, of course, is Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, where God says to the prophet, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now notice God says, I formed you. Now you're going to have characteristics of your mom and dad, but notice that God says concerning this plan and the shapement of what his purpose is. God says, I formed you in the womb. I knew you before you were born. Before you were born, I sanctified you. In other words, that word means I set you apart for a special purpose. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. You know, years back, I stood next to a very good man, spirit-filled, loved God, a very good man, a leader, actually, but a man that came to a fork in the road concerning God's plan for his life. And the plan went like this. You either go God's way or you go your dad's way and what, what your dad wants you to do. And so what happened is that this man loved God and had a ministry calling. As a matter of fact, he was friends with at that time, the man that was considered to be the greatest prophet in the world. I won't say his name, but I would say that I certainly agree that that man was world renowned and considered by most within the Christian realm to be God's most anointed prophet on the planet. And, uh, and you know, to have a relationship like that where you're friends with somebody like that, that's also the hand of God moving because that's, that's involving your future just to be able to know people like that, much less become their friends. So one day this great prophet turned to this man and said, Hey, and called him by name. Uh, he said, Hey, you know that you're supposed to be doing exactly what I'm doing, right? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, yeah. Um, but see, here's what happened. He never stepped into it. And so I'm, I'm actually talking to him one day and he's telling this to me as a younger minister. 
And he's telling this to me from an open heart. He's just, he's just talking freely. And I said, well, how come you never stepped into what God had for you? He said, you know, I saw the persecution that came against that great prophet, that great man of God. And I saw all of the things that were involved, uh, you know, with ministry. And, and he said, I just wasn't so sure I wanted all of that. I didn't certainly don't want to be persecuted. I want people to like me and so forth. And, uh, he said, I never really stepped into it, but I said, already the gifts were operating in your life, right? He goes, yeah, he goes, but I tried to push a lot of that down too. He said, I went to a conference one time and, uh, uh, I show up at this big conference with all these, uh, they, they invited all these other prophets. And so we're all standing together before the conference begins and the host comes out in the back room. He goes, men, you're all prophets. And I want to share a few things we need to be aware of before the conference starts. And he said, well, I'm not a prophet. That's what he said. <laughs> and the host said, well, if you're not a prophet, what in the world are you doing here? He goes, I don't know. He said, but I do know that the time you forced your wife to ride on the back of that motorcycle, she has never forgiven you. And the host jaw dropped and he said, my God, he said, you're right. See, he had got his wife on a bike, said, oh, get on the bike. I'll, I'll take you for a little ride. She was afraid. No, no, no. He got her on the bike and you took off like he was some kind of a, you know, a Red Bull pro driver and scared the daylights out of her. And she never forgave him for it because it traumatized her. And, uh, and he called that out by supernatural knowledge. <laughs> so I'm saying that he, the gifts were all in him, flowing through him, popping out. And there's a pathway to uh, 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 really what would be an international, multi-international uh, uh, ministry to the, to the world, really. And uh, he said, tell me more. He goes, well, he said it came down to two things, what Jesus wanted or what my dad wanted. And he said, I actually, and he told me this, he said, I actually had a one-on-one -on -one encounter with the Lord through a vision. And Jesus came to me and said, I want you to step into the ministry office of the prophet that I have for you. And by the way, that was something that he had for him before he was ever born. God knew that's what he's supposed to do. And now the Lord has come one-on-one -on -one in person said, I want you to step into it. I said, well, what did you tell him? He said, uh, I dropped my head. I didn't want to look at him in the eye. And he said, he said to the Lord, he said, um, no, Lord, I'd rather not. I said, well, what, what did the Lord Jesus say? Remember, remember this guy's talking to the head of the church, the, the ch universal church. <laughs> I said, what did he say? He said, the Lord looked at me and said, so you're telling me you don't want my gift? He said, yes, Lord, that's right. And the Lord said, okay. Turned around, walked away, never brought it up again. Now remember, th this man is not rejecting his salvation. He's rejecting a call to a ministry office. He's actually rejecting his destiny. Pastor Stephen, who is this man? Trust me, you'll never know. You'll never know him. He's lost to history. I said, I said, why did you do this? He said, my dad, and he's not blaming his dad because he gave into his dad. He said, my dad 
was a certain businessman. He told me what the business was. And he said, I told my dad one day, dad, I think I want to be a minister. And his dad exploded. He said, what would you want to do something foolish like that for? He said, now the business is successful. I've raised it up and I have plans for you to take over. And he said, you'll be wealthy. Why would you walk away from this? And his dad put all kinds of pressure. And uh, so he said no to Jesus, said yes to his dad, and threw his destiny away, and he never made an impact in life. Is he a good man? Yes. Morally upright? Yes. Won't tell a lie? Won't rip anybody off? Very integrous? Will he go to heaven? Absolutely. But he never fulfilled his calling. Oh, don't, don't, don't worry. God's got others. God's got a plan B. God's got somebody else that, that'll step in there. <laughs> and somebody obviously did because this was years, decades back. Woo. Glory. This is, this is serious stuff though. Serious stuff. You're not here by some kind of an accident. You have a specific assignment and purpose. Praise God. You are a deliberate creation of God. You were formed by God. Now, here's what's interesting. Your father and mother, of course, are involved with passing on, you know, uh, DNA and uh, physical characteristics of your you know, hair color, eye color, looks, this, that, and the other. But these are only physical channels that the father and mother provide through which the overall formation takes place. But the major formation is the spiritual impartation of what only God can put into you. That is that pre-planned destiny that he has from you. That does not come from mom and daddy. That comes from God almighty. Mm -mm. So you are not a biological accident. You are a deliberate creation of God. We see this very clearly in Psalm 139. Praise the Lord. Let's go down to verse 14. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. The phrase lowest parts of the earth is figurative of that hidden area of the mother's womb. Now we have ultrasound today that does give a little bit of insight into that area, but it's a still, it's still a secretive shadowy place. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they are all written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. So God's already got it all planned out. There's even a book chapter, uh, a, a, a blueprint. Praise God. I believe so often when you pray in the spirit, you begin to pick up on the next assignment, the next uh, uh, step that you are to take in the path and plan that God has for you. But my friends, you are God's creation. You are a child of destiny with a specific purpose that you were created here to fulfill. Can you say praise God? Mm -mm. Because if you're hearing this, you are here, you are alive, and you can be plugged into what God has called you to be and to do. Now, you came into this world by God's deliberate design. 
So here's something that will help us to get it fully zoned in on what we're supposed to be doing. God is our manufacturer. I want you to seem like that. Okay. Just as if you have a Ford or a Tesla or a Dodge or a Ram or a Chevy or whatever it might be. These, these are manufacturing companies, but God is our manufacturer. We are his products and no product determines its function. That's not the product's role. Purpose or function is determined solely by the manufacturer. And in this case, the case of you and I, the manufacturer is who? It's God. Mm-hmm. Now, here's an example. Here's my pen. And I always tell Kelly, I said, I always say, you know, get, get a whole bunch of the, these. And she does. She buys them like... Uh, I don't know where she gets them online, but she gets like 20 or 30 at a time. And I, I go through these things because all of my sermons, they're all, you know, they're all noted out, written out and things like that. So I, I go through these and I, when they stop working, I unscrew them and open them up. Yep. The ink's totally empty. Throw it away. Just grab another one. But th- this is the brand I like. This is a Pentel inner gel liquid gel ink. I, I don't like the roller balls. I like the gel ink. They're a lot smoother. Now, here's the thing about this pen. It functions flawlessly as long as I only use it for what the manufacturer, Pentel, created it for. This as a manufacturer. The manufacturer had a specific purpose for this. And as you know, it's to be used for writing with. And so long as I use it for that, it does exactly what it's supposed to do. It doesn't mess up. It works great. And I keep buying them. I keep buying them because they, they did it right. But you know what? Right now, my wife and I are, I would say, on the tail end of what has been a very long kitchen remodel because with um, all of the uh, supply chain, this, that, or the other, you know, uh, stop, stop, go, stop, go, it's caused a lot of products not to come in. So it's been a long remodel. And so there have been times I wasn't quite sure where Kelly put the spoons and I I've had my times where I couldn't even find a fork because it's just all put away. Why? We you have no kitchen. <laughs> so, you know, we're just uh, kind of temporary working our way through it. Praise God. Well, there have been times when I was in my office, maybe just reheat something, uh, uh, figure out a way of now I got to figure out a way to eat this. I can't find a fork. I saw a pen one time, saw one of my pens, and, you know, I thought, well, maybe I, no, 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 I can't do that. No. Well, maybe, no, no, I am not going to use this. My brain would say, we got to, you got to eat something, don't use your fingers. But I told myself, well, look, I'm not using a pen for a fork. I'm not going to try, well, you could poke it. Pastor Stephen, you could, you could stick the little pokey thing out and poke the food, and then you could maybe stick it and bring it up to your mouth and eat it, and then wash it off later. No, no, <laughs> it's going to get food all over the inside. It's going to be a mess. Now, we have a word in our English language that, of course, when you think of it, you think of something yucky, but the word is profane. And profane does carry uh, the meaning of that which would be unholy or showing disrespect or contempt for something that would be sacred. But 
the profane word also has a root meaning that helps you to better understand what it is to profane something. And the root me, uh, meaning of profane means to misuse something contrary to its created purpose. Okay. So this is not made to eat a steak with, if I don't have a fork, I'll figure it out, but I'm not supposed to use my pen. Technically you could say that if you take this and you go eat a hamburger with it, you are profaning the pen. You're taking something and you're using it for a purpose that it was not created to perform. Uh, profane words such as profanity, your tongue and your mouth was never created by God to be used to do stuff like that. Well, Pastor Steve, sometimes I got a vent. No, not like that. Go take a nice 30 minute walk, okay, or whatever the case might be, but do not utter your mouth and use it to express profanity. That is a wrong application of what God created your tongue and your lips for. We can even see it further if we look at the example of the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's go over to verse 13. And let's go to uh, the latter part of that verse. We can call it uh, part B. Paul said, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now the body, that, that's our physical bodies. Now the body is not for sexual immorality. Well, then what's it for, Pastor Stephen? But for the Lord and the Lord for the body. If you get tempted towards something of sexual immorality, and it's hard to be involved in sexual immorality without your eyes involved or fingers or hands or other parts of your body. If you ever face those temptations, just stop and out loud confess this scripture. My body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. See, God never created your body to just, you know, go running around with clothes off and sleeping around and being some kind of immoral person, you know, whether it's done very distastefully and in crude outward ways or done secretly, your body was never designed by the manufacturer to be doing stuff like that. That is it. What then? That is a profaning of the temple of God. It is a profaning, a profaning of the human body. Anything that we use anything, actually anything that we use outside of its intended purpose will only make a mockery of it. Can you imagine somebody saw me eating steak with this? What if I got used to doing that? And now I start going out the restaurants and uh, instead of grabbing the fork, I just pull a pin out of my pocket and I start eating hamburger or steak with a pin. What, what becomes of it? A mockery, a mockery, anything that you use outside of its intended purpose will only make a mockery of it. Please. I'm talking about your life assignment, primarily in context. Now here's something fascinating about that. Verse 13, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. But here's something interesting and the Lord for the body and the words, your body is for God It's for the Lord not for immorality, but the Lord is also for the body to do what? To keep health in it, to keep longevity in it, 
to give you energy and strength and to keep you going so that you fulfill the number of your days. So the Lord is for the body. Mm -mm. And there is a covenant of healing and blessing. Praise God. But my friends, your body is not just to be something to go out there. That's just physical, go out there and sleep around. No, the body was never designed by the manufacturer to be used for that. Woo. Look, when you, when you break scripture, you're going to end up broken. Something's You're going to somehow end up broken. If you break scripture, walk in the light of the word and you'll be the happiest person on the earth. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Many Christians are frustrated because they have not cared to discover what they are actually designed by the manufacturer for. Mm-mm. Praise you, Jesus. So there can be a focus on what we're created to be. In other words, we're created to be successful and happy or blessed or whatever the case might be. But there needs to be a focus on what we're actually to do. So finding what we are created to do will turn us into men and women of value, men and women that contribute. Let me tell you today that it's not what a man or woman receives that creates their value. It's what you give. It's your ability to contribute, not to consume. We have a lot of consumers, <laughs> but if that's all you do, you become selfish. And if you're consuming, but you're not releasing, you're going to get sick. Think about it. If all you're doing is eating, 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 and you're consuming, but you're never going to the toilet and there's no release, there's something wrong with your body and it's going to, there's going to be poison that will begin to accumulate on the inside. So there has to be production. If when elephants eat, 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 and they eat a lot, but they're also releasing and they're what happens, what they're releasing, they're producing and it is fertilizing the plains of the Savannah. So everything God has designed is not solely to consume and devour and consume because something's wrong with that image. It goes against even the laws of nature, but primarily God wants us to be contributors. Woo. Praise God. Should we be good receivers? Absolutely. But my friends, God wants us to be heavyweight contributors. And that's what brings lasting value and dignity into your life. Can you say amen right where you're at? Today. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. My friends, no matter how anointed or gifted you may be, if you lack a clear purpose, you're not going to reach the place of accomplishment that God has intended for you to arrive at. So, purpose is what gives meaning to life and Really, we're only guaranteed to get the best results when we are doing what God, the manufacturer, has created us as individuals to do. Mm-mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You have to get very focused, very focused in your assignment. You know, I have a very precious friend, and he's a brilliant man. He has a, a doctorate of theology from what many consider to be the world's today, the world's leading university. That's the university of Cambridge 
there in the UK. And he's a brilliant teacher. He teaches here in North Carolina at a private Catholic university. He's a man of great faith. And he called me. I shared, I think I shared this on the Morning Glory show a few, uh, a few weeks back. But he called me just, uh, you know, a couple of months ago and said, uh, hey, Pastor Stephen. He said, I was teaching uh, one of the advanced classes to my students. And uh, the, the, whole, the, the class for the whole semester was on the subject of the Trinity. And he's teaching. Well, of course, anytime you get over onto the subject of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, that's going to generate a lot of questions. And no matter what stream of the Christian faith you're in, eventually, if you start talking about the Holy Spirit, you're going to realize that the Holy Spirit, who is the Godhead, uh, the person of the Godhead here in the earth today, has a profound impact whether you're Pentecostal or whether you're Baptist, because even in the Baptist churches, you've got your Baptist Costals, and I know many of them that speak in tongues. And uh, uh, even in the Catholic Church, you have your Roman Catholic charismatic believers that speak in tongues. But look, look this runs through um, uh, all uh, streams of the Christian faith, even, even Eastern Orthodox, not just Western Orthodox, even over in Eastern Orthodox. Yes, there are many uh, very profound, deep spirit field believers. Well, he called me and said, um, he said, Pastor Stephen, we were talking uh, in class. And of course, these upperclassmen students they were very hungry to know about this mysterious subject of the, of the charismatic revival and how it swept into the Catholic church. And what is this all about? And he said, the questions were just swirling in the classroom. And he said, I couldn't help but think we need to bring in somebody uh, who is aware of these things that can share and answer these questions uh, from a different perspective. And he said, I know just the person. He said, Stephen, will you come speak at my class? I said, sure. So I came and this was, uh, one of those Tuesday, Thursday classes where, you know, like an hour and 20 minutes. And I came and, uh, talked just a little bit with the students, maybe, maybe 15, 20 minutes about my background, who I am, what I do, blah, blah, blah. And then I, I just opened it up and I said, ask me any question, ask me a Pentecostal, charismatic, uh, evangelical type preacher, ask me any question you want about the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the moving of the Spirit in the church worldwide. And boy, they came. Boom, question, boom. It was like, it was like machine gun bullets firing, <laughs> flying for like an hour nonstop. We had so much fun. And the class was over. Uh, it flew by, had a fantastic time. Um, but here's the thing, after the class, as was over and uh, me and my precious friend went and had another good latte and talked further about the things of God, I noticed, again, that his doctorate is in theology. Let me ask you a very important question. I want you to ponder this. Have you ever in your entire life ever met one person, be it man or woman, who has a doctorate in theology and a doctorate in engineering and a doctorate in law and a doctorate in science and a doctorate in medicine, 
such as neurology and a doctorate in this and a doctorate in astrophysics. And they have, they have 14 different doctorate PhDs or THDs that they have earned all degrees in. Have you ever in your life even met a person with more than one? More than one is extremely rare. But my friends, here's what I'm trying to say. You've got to get into your assignment and you have to stay on task. If everywhere is your destination, then you are sure to get nowhere. I want to say it again. If everywhere, I want to learn everything, Pastor Stephen. I want to know everything. If everywhere is your destination, be assured you're not going to get anywhere. You will end up a jack of all trades and a master of none. And that's not the place that you want to be in. Mm. By the way, there is no such destination as everywhere. Take your map, take Siri, take Google and look where's everywhere. There is no everywhere. <laughs> Woo! My friends, life is a journey. And only those who have a definite destination record satisfactory progress. It is important to consciously discover the creator's purpose for sending you as an individual to the world. I want to talk about how you can identify this. Whoo, glory to God. Now, I say this with great, with great knowing the reality of this in my heart. I want you to catch this. There is an assignment that came down with you when you were born. Oh yeah, you popped out of your mother's womb naked and they got you clothed and they got you, they got you going and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, you didn't come technically in a sense, empty handed. Although yes, you're empty handed. You come in with nothing. Yeah. You can't take anything when you, when you leave, but I'm saying you did come. However, maybe you couldn't see it. You did come. However, worth uh, with an assignment. It dropped when you dropped. Praise God. It came down with you. Amen. So every product is manufactured to have to, excuse me, to serve a specific purpose. And you have a purpose. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus today. Now, whoo, it's not what you want that matters, but what you are created to do. Really, that's what you want to dial in on because that's what matters. Therefore, purpose is designed primarily for your ability to make the maximum contribution. Let's go further. Purpose is not about a celebration of reaching a certain status level. Well, uh, where maybe everybody salutes you or has to greet you with a specific title or something like that. that that's great. But that's not what purpose is about. Rather, purpose centers on your ability to serve. And service, therefore, is this area, again, of bringing us back to what can you contribute. Thank you, Jesus. So, this is why only service-oriented dreams ever see the light of day. Pastor Stephen, I want to get rich. Why? 
Why? So you can sit around with no purpose for your money except to spend it and consume it on your own desires. Hmm. That's why a lot of these guys that are billionaires today, they have a problem. Pastor Stephen, what's their problem? They're going to eventually die. And so that's why suddenly when they become very wealthy, they have an interest now in suddenly investing money into these areas of scientific studies of longevity. Why? Because now they got all these billions of dollars and they don't want to die. <laughs> but the reality is um, there's no other way out except of course for the believers and the going to be with the Lord or should the Lord return again and you're alive during that moment. Wow. But outside of that, everybody else through the last you know, thousands of years of human history, uh, you've all got to come up to the uh, time to check it out. Mm -mm. Very fascinating things that we need to consider. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. So a discovery of purpose in many ways is a discovery of your area of service. Thank you, Lord. True greatness is a product of service and what you can contribute again, not how much you or I can consume. The power of purpose is manifested in service. All right, Pastor Stephen. Now, how do I know it? How can I see it? I don't want to be selfish. I want my life to count. I want to be on the, the path that God has for me. I want to be not op not only operating according to the manual. I want to know what the manufacturer created me to do. How can I know various ways? Let's talk about a big way. Acts chapter 26. Praise God. Acts 26. And let's go to verse 19. Paul speaking said, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Now, if you want to read more fully about that vision, Paul lays it out in verses 14 through 18, just right above. But the, the vision that he's describing here really in context is an identification of God's plan and purpose as it is relating to what God had for Paul to do. Because God told him. When God saved him and called him, God gave him his assignment. By the way, it can only fully be unlocked at the moment of salvation. Before that, you could pick up on some things. Maybe you, you, you're able to recognize some natural giftings and so forth, and you, you could maybe even be moving in that direction. But until you're born again, there, there are key elements uh, of it that are locked, and you'll never know them outside of Christ. And before that, Paul had tremendous zeal, and he had tremendous passion, and it was all misdirected, all taking him in the wrong direction. He's even, he's even hunting and killing Christians, and he actually thinks he's doing the right thing, doing a good thing. So it was only during his salvation experience that he receives now what the manufacturer created him to actually be doing. And of course, it's not running around and killing Christians anymore. 
<laughs> of course. Woo! Mm -mm. So, vision is the spiritual unfolding of divine plan and purpose as it relates to you as an individual. Praise God. So, this is, in many ways, God calling out individuals and delivering assignments to them. And we see God doing it through visions for various people, such as Moses, uh, people like Gideon. Here, we see it also with the Apostle Paul. But it's good to know that because God hasn't changed, He's still the same, that He today is still delivering visions. Woo! Be excited. My friends, I've had these heavenly visions myself. There have been times I've had Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, the head of the church, come talk to me, give me specific directions about my ministry and my assignment because you could pick up on the fact, let's say you're called in the ministry, you could pick up on the fact that God has ministry for you, but you have to dig deeper concerning the manufacturer's key purpose. And because even, in, even if you realize God has ministry for you, well, then there's still five ministry offices. Which one do you belong to? Is it apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher? And what is your role? Or is it a role to lead? Or is it a role to back up and support? Where would any minister be without the helps ministry? And somebody that's not doing these other areas that are essential for ministry to operate smoothly. You have to find your place. There were some men one time that went up to, uh, at that time, uh, when Billy Graham had his ministry going, they went up to his right-hand man. And they said to him, Sir, you know, you're assisting Billy Graham, but yet in your own right, you have a very anointed and effective ministry. Why don't you go do your own ministry? He said, because God hasn't called me to do that. God called me and spoke to me clearly, stand with Billy Graham, get behind him. And by the way, when you're called like that, the support, you realize there's a special grace on the leader that I don't have. Remember, when the grace flows, it can only flow because there's a gradient. If it's flat and that you, and you think you're Moses too, well, then you have to, you, you go start your own deliverance ministry and you go lead 3 million people. But you have to realize that when you're called to support and stand with, then the grace flows down. In other words, there's, there's a gradient that flows down and you have to take that place of humility and, and you have to get in there like this man did. And he said, I, I am happy in this place. I am content because this is the place God has for me. Not everybody is called to lead from the front. You have to get into that place God has for you. Some are called, some are called, but even if it's to be in second or to be third, you take that, that position with great joy and embrace the responsibility and meet God at that place. And you'll have ample grace and you'll be so happy and you'll be blessed. Amen. As you help the whole project or the whole team or the whole assignment move forward. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So it's important to know, here's a second way you could have, you could have a major vision. Okay. But secondly, while a heavenly a vision can be delivered to you that shares remarkable insight concerning God's unique plan, there's also the inquiry prayers where you make prayers of inquiry and you just directly ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do here? 
What is my place? Help me to get exactly into my place that you created for me. Mm. And we see a great example of this. Uh, and it's really a timeless example. I would encourage you to pray this prayer of inquiry. If you're not sure, even today, and it's found in Habakkuk chapter two, verse one, verses one through three. Now it says, I will stand up on my, my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. And the reason he says what I'm going to answer when I'm corrected is because he put a lot out before the Lord. He basically said, Lord, uh, things are looking crazy and the, uh, the nation's having a very, very horrible, difficult time. And uh, so he, he, he's basically saying, Lord, I really need answers. So he was very direct with the Lord. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie though it tarries wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And of course, my friends, remember the vision only fully speaks at the end. That's why you want to go all the way to the end. But you also just like Habakkuk, you can stand upon your watch in prayer and hear what God will say to you. So I would encourage him. I would encourage you just to just ask him very direct questions such as Lord, what is my assignment that you created for me? Even before I was born, what is that assignment for me here on the earth? I must know, ask him and then watch sit on your tower, your watchtower and see what he will say to you. Mm -mm. Ask him, Lord, what work have you assigned me to? Is it an individual work? Is it to get beneath somebody and push them forward with everything I've got, with the energy and the talents that you have given me? Wow. Where would our, our modern phones and tablets be? And, and most of this, of course, was pulled from Apple technology. Where would it be if when the iPad was being developed, you did not have that one man that kept pushing Steve Jobs to say, look, look, Steve, we, we need to have this thing called apps. Please let me put apps on the new iPad product. He finally gave in. Where would our phones or even our tablets be without apps? <laughs> you know, it, it created another whole world and made these incredible tools much more what productive and allows them to serve us in more effective ways. Ways. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. So let's just ask the Lord these questions so that we can get directly onto what we're supposed to be doing and where we're supposed to be at. Praise God. Number three, we have, first of all, we have visions. Number two, we have prayers of inquiry. Number three, I would say, look inwardly while you also listen outwardly discover inwardly the deposits, the deposits that God has made in you. Ask yourself certain questions. Are you good at math? Maybe you say yes. Well, if yes, then why are you good at math? Why would God give you that grace gift? Why? Okay. Are you good at learning languages? Do you have an ability to pick up quickly? on foreign languages. If so, 
Why do you have that? And others don't. If you're good at math, why do you have that? And others aren't. Well, if you aren't, you're probably not going to be using it very much. You're going to reach for the calculator or you're going to ask somebody else to, you know, or, or use some, uh, some other device that solves it for you. But somebody's got to engineer it. Somebody's got to, uh, you know, code it. And so we have to have people that are good, at, good in these areas. Ask yourself, do you like to travel? Um, what do others also, as, as you look inwardly, this is very important. What do others who may be even total strangers, what do they say to you? Or when they sometimes drop certain comments to you, what are these things implying? Are they seeing some type of gifting or something in you that would denote perhaps what we would call a divine gift? Okay, let's talk about that for a moment. I remember years and years back when I was in college and it was summertime and I I stayed there uh, within the college city. I didn't go home to my parents' house. I stayed there and I got a job and I worked all summer at McDonald's as the front cashier person. And as you know, if you ever work fast food or, you know, retail, basically, they put you up front if you, if you can smile and, you know, you can half-heartedly, if you at least talk decently, they'll put you up front. So they put me right up front on a cashier. And, and so I remember... Uh, you know, one day it's just, you know, like a, a normal busy time at lunch. And I'm not even thinking anything. I'm just knocking out orders. And uh, a guy walks up, big, big Texan guy, big old cowboy hat and everything, boots, real nice boots, by the way. And, uh, he walks up. I said, I said, hello, welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? And he stopped and looked at me and he just, he just dropped something on me that I had heard a few things like this before, but I never really considered them. He just dropped this on me. He said, son, he said, I work at one of the largest radio FM radio stations in Dallas. And he said, you have a very unique voice. You really need to consider your voice where you take it and it's somehow used in a career path where you can use your voice. He said, you have a very unusual voice. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a speaking voice. Now, nobody has ever said that about my singing voice. If you, if you hear me sing, I dime a dozen. Okay. There's nothing special uh, about my singing. And uh, uh, nobody has ever said anything about my singing, that, which is fine. I can understand that. But I've had people many, many times stop me and say, Stephen, there's something about your voice. Now, even like that day at McDonald's, when that man said that, when he, when he said it, I still, I couldn't figure it out because I knew, I just somehow knew, well, I'm not supposed to be a DJ, so how could I ever use my voice? I don't, I don't get it. I'm not, I'm not going to be a DJ. I just somehow knew that's not what I'm supposed to be. I, I knew that I'm not supposed to be like a sports broadcaster. So I, I just, I felt kind of like hopeless. I'm like, well, what do I do with it then? And so I remember one day, I went, I went home to my parents' house and, you know, went to their church. And one day the pastor, you know, back in the foyer after the service was over, he stopped. I was, I was like in the corner talking to one of my friends. He stopped me and said, um, he said, hey, Stephen, have you ever thought about being a preacher? I said, oh, 
and I was actually embarrassed. I said, oh, oh, no, I don't, I don't know if I ever want to be a preacher. His name was Pastor Benny, real, uh, not, not Benny Hinn. This was a real small church, maybe like 30 people. <laughs> but, but maybe we'd get it up to 60 on, you know, uh, Easter or something like that, or, you know, like a real religious uh, holiday or something. Maybe get it over 60. I think we one time saw it go to 70. But no, this real small, like, small town church. And, uh, and so that was my mentality of preachers, you know, because he was like, you know, it was real heavy set. And one time he tried to come out and play basketball with me and all the other kids at, uh, at church. And uh, uh, we, there's some real athletic kids in the group. And, um, uh, and you know, he, he'd trip over his feet and uh, fall backwards and, you know, sprain his ankles. And uh, he was very uncoordinated. So when I, when I thought, you know, I've got to be a preacher, I thought I've got to be like, I've got I've to somehow like morph into that. And I thought, oh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to do that. Ah, ah, what's going on? Look inside, listen outwardly. Other people are picking up on things. They're seeing things in me that I can't recognize. Why? Um, no self-confidence. Uh, raised in poverty. You have to understand, I grew up in the poorest state in the whole country. I was raised in Mississippi, in the poorest area of Mississippi. We didn't even have paved roads where we lived at. Dirt roads and... Um, uh, very, very low educational, uh, uh, situations in our school systems and, uh, oh, uh, poverty that was so bad that I, the only way you could deal with it was sometimes just laugh at it. It just was that, that difficult to deal with. And so being raised in that and all of these things, and then having a speech impediment and getting classes to overcome that, but having low self-esteem and uh, uh, never being around teachers that build you into something and never being really, uh, see, it was the whole community. We're all poor. And so you're, you're just beat down. Mentally, you're beat down. And it just seems like, how can you ever overcome? You have no special education. You have no, no, no you know, you don't know anybody that has money. You don't even know what that's like. All you do is see it from the outside. And so I had a very low self-esteem. And so God kept sending people to me where they're speaking into me because they can see something. Uh, I'm telling you, when you were born, it came down with you. But you can be so beaten down, downtrodden in life that you can't, you're having a hard time picking up on it. So God has to keep sending even outsiders, even sometimes unbelievers that keep identifying a gift in you that you're trying to ignore, or you can't quite embrace it because you think you're not good enough, or you think God could never use me. <laughs> oh, praise God. I know I'm speaking to some Today, praise the Lord. Anyhow, I, I began to embrace what the Lord had for me. It, it began to get a little bit uh, to the point I like, oh, Lord, I, I just, I just, re I receive it. I remember one time I, I was at church and I was helping my pastor. I got behind him and backed him. I mowed the grass. I cleaned the toilets. I did everything I could for two years to be a blessing and uh, washed his car, uh, waxed his car, uh, shined his tires, never got a penny for it. I was so in love with God. And I was there. If the church meetings on Sunday started at nine, I was there with the senior deacon at six. We said everything 
everything up, vacuum everything the day before. The church was beautiful. The property was pristine all the time. The church was growing. I couldn't be happier. All I wanted to do was be around the pasture and be around the things of ministry. And I remember in one service, it was very, the church was packed. Uh, the church probably had about 400 people in it. And uh, I had, uh, something had to be done. I, had to, I actually had to pull out of the main service and go fix something real quick. Got it fixed and then came back in. But all the seats were full. I just sat on the very, very back row. And the pastor's already in full flight in his message. And he stopped. There at the pulpit, he stopped. <clears throat> And he said, well, there's Brother Brooks sitting in the back. He said, God bless you, Brother Brooks. He said, we all know, of course, that Brother Brooks was called into the ministry. And the whole church, like with the Holy Spirit unison, said, amen. And then they all turned. 800 eyeballs turned and looked at me with the biggest Texas smiles you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> all like, yep, you're called. And I'm sitting back there. And I finally just, it finally dawned on me. God's got something for me in ministry. I better figure out what it is. <laughs> woo, woo. Now, some of you, you're already dialed in and you're on it. Others of you, you're toying with your life. You're going to have to get this pulled together so that when it's complete, you're going to hear Jesus say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Because we are living in today in a generation that wants results without putting in the required effort. We are those that are wanting uh, accolades and those that are wanting success uh, of high levels, but they're not willing to pay the price of actually what it takes uh, to get there. So my friends, we have to be very earnest and very passionate also, but it has to be guided in that right direction because you, uh, you can only really get to the top in that area that you're created to stand in. If you stand at the top in any other place, there will be something notably missing from your weaponry or your arsenal that you should have that will not be there because you're standing somewhere that the manufacturer never created for you to be in. And if you take the car and try to drive it on the water, it was not manufactured to be a boat. And if you take the boat and put it underneath the water, it was not made by the manufacturer to be a submarine. And it's just not going to perform up to its limits when it's out of what it was made to do. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Please lift your hands. Father, I pray right now for everybody that's watching that they get zoned in and that they realize they are of a, they are a child of destiny. Anybody in Christ you are a child of destiny. Father, let the destiny be unveiled. There are some. The enemy has so entangled them with lies, and they've been raised in such harsh, extreme suppression that there are some that may need a vision. Father, if that's what it takes, I pray that your grace would unfold a vision right before them that will show them their true assignment. And Father, you did that for Paul. And Father, there's others. They, they do know you, and they, they've had many prayers answered. But Father, maybe they have never prayed a very specific prayer of inquiry like Habakkuk did. I thank you, Father, that if they'll pray that prayer, I say this with an anointing, 
Within three days, you'll speak to them and answer them. I thank you. That gives many that, are, that just heard me say that. Motivation to pray it. Now, Father, I give you praise. And for others, I thank you, Father God. There's voices that are speaking outwardly, even confirming the grace you have placed upon them. Now, we thank you that you're speaking very directly, very directly in this hour. You know, I went to get my hair cut the other day. And for my friends, for some reason, um, in southern barber shops, it seems like while, while the guy cuts your hair, he's always got a buddy who has nothing to do, who's sitting over in another chair just talking maybe for four or six hours. <laughs> That's just the way it seems to be uh, in the South, here in Carolina and other states down here. A lot of people with a lot of free time on their hand. Of course, they can't figure out why they don't have much money, but that's a different story. Anyhow, I'm sitting there, and the, uh, the man the, who's an excellent barber is doing my hair, and he's got a buddy sitting over there just talking away. And uh, so I, I begin to talk and uh, enjoy the, the wholesome conversation. We cover this, that, and the other, and then my hair is done. I get up to go pay, and the barber looks at his buddy and says, don't he sound just like Charles Stanley? And they both almost started crying because I sound like Charles not Stanley. Not they're, they're Baptist. So the greatest voice of soothing and comfort that they could ever hear is Dr. Charles Stanley. And they said, don't he sound just like Charles Stanley? <laughs> I've had stuff like that over and over and over in my, uh, with my life. And it's, it's something with the speaking. But it's the anointing. It's the Holy Spirit who touches my voice that communicates with people. It's the anointing. It's not the voice of Stephen Brooks. It's the Holy Spirit upon the voice of Stephen Brooks that allows the words to go into the hearts of people. Praise God. My friends, don't, don't belittle what those around you would say, even sometimes total unbelievers, when they would just, they say certain things because they see something in you that just, that, that's, that's that God put in you. Oh, just say thank you. Thank you. Praise God. God's grace. Amen. Praise God. God's grace. Amen. Father, unveil to them that purpose and assignment. I thank you through all three formats, visions, prayers of inquiry, looking inside, listening outside. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. If you're watching me right now, but you've never given your heart to Christ, your true assignment can only be unveiled through your manufacturer. Call upon him right now. He'll save your soul and he'll give you the manual instructions that you're needing to move forward. Say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. Save me now. I give my life to you completely. Wash my sins away with your blood. And write my name in your book of life. Jesus, step into my life. And lead me and guide me. From this day forward. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Welcome to the family of God. Woo! Glory! Everybody lift your hands and give glory to your Creator. 
who planned your life with such beauty and detail that surely you open your mouth and you say, God, I like my life. Thank Him right now for the life that He's given you, for your family, your spouse, your children, your pets, your plants, everything, your job, your assignment, your calling. Give Him praise, for you have the great God who created you for a specific person, purpose. Glory to God for His great, phenomenal wisdom. Praise be to the Lord. Hmm. Hmm. Let's take, woo, woo, let's take communion. Let me see if I can pick it up. Let's take Holy Communion. Grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. And let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the bread, the juice. We bless it. We sanctify it. That is, we set it apart as holy. And we thank you this is now the body, and the blood of Christ. Now, Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we thank You we're moving forward. We thank You we're moving forward in Your plan. This is a time of multiplication and divine empowerment. Father, thank You. Let the ark roll into the camp. Let Your glory be revealed. Unroll the sleeve and the, of your right arm, and show us your power within your beautiful church. We thank you, Father, for miracles. Thank you for the body of Jesus. In his name we pray. Let us receive. Let us take the Lord's precious blood. Father, we ask that if we have committed any sin, and if we have sinned against anybody, we ask that you would forgive us, and that our debtors would forgive us. And Father, we forgive them. If anybody has done us wrong, we forgive them. We go on with you. Father, we forget the past. We embrace the day, and we look forward to tomorrow with excitement. Father, thank you for the cleansing blood of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's receive. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God is doing miracles in your life right now. What you need to move forward is dropping into your life right now. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. My friends, don't forget to register for those of you that want to join me and Kelly in Israel. Don't forget to register and sign up. That information, we're going to try to get that on the website ASAP. If it's not there just yet, keep looking for it. It'll pop up literally uh, any moment as we're going to have that put up there. And thank you for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Till then, stay richly blessed.